This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. To the state of recruiting, your weekly Horns twenty four seven recruiting podcast. I am Mike Roach, and I'm joined as always by Nick Harris. And uh, we want to remind you guys uh, to go subscribe uh, wherever you can find your podcast to the Horns twenty four seven network. There you can get our show along with the flagship with uh, Taylor Estes and Chip Brown, and the Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. If you're anywhere on any of those sites where you can rate review any of those things a five-star review always helps the show uh, helps us keep doing this and if you're on itunes a five-star review will automatically get your question answered in our mailbag segment so before we get into this week nick the covid gotcha <laughs> yeah it's kind of funny i was just bragging to everybody on saturday night that i, I uh, you know i went through the whole Texas high school football season without catching it and i was like you know maybe i'm better about sanitizing than all these other guys right and then what do you know this morning I uh, went and got tested because one of our close friends had had it, um, Guy Frazier, who uh, we're hoping has a speedy recovery. Um, we had rode up there together on Saturday. So I was like, yeah, let me go get tested as a precaution. And sure enough, I have it. Uh, no symptoms yet. Uh, still feeling pretty good, but I'm um, going to be in the house for the next 10 days. So looking forward to getting some stuff done around the house. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I think back to when I got it right after small school state um, again, I think state being the uh, the common denominator there. And look, I, I, I want to say the UIL was extremely careful. They had protocols in place for all of us. Um, it's just hard. I mean, it's tough when you put some people in a room like that, you're probably going to spread it. And, uh, you know, even though we tried to follow protocols, not everybody else in the room was. So uh, it is what it is. Hopefully uh, those symptoms stay away from you for sure, Nick. But man, I'm thinking back to when I had it, I'm pretty sure I said to my wife, like, right after state, like, I, I was like, I think it's wild that I've gone through this whole football season and not gotten it. And literally, like, the next two days or something got it. So uh, it seems like the prediction game is not good for, for COVID. Um, but, again, we wish uh, our guy, our friend Guy, who is a former guest of the show, a, uh, a speedy recovery, and you, Nick, if, if anything starts happening. Um, all right, but let's jump right into it. So uh, it's, it's uh, been another week for, for Steve Sarkeesian. Um, still getting that recruiting staff in place, but made some big hires that we should mention. I'll start off with Drew Hughes, uh, his new director of player personnel, who's gonna, going to replace um, Derek Chang uh, as the uh, kind of the head of that recruiting department. Uh, Drew Hughes has a, a stellar relationship, or uh, I'm sorry, resume coming from South Carolina, where he most recently worked under Will Muschamp. He's a graduate of Alabama, worked as a student assistant at Alabama, came up under uh, under Ed Marinowitz, who is kind of the, 
I guess credited with creating these massive support staffs. He's kind of the the, the godfather of these things um, and has worked in, in all over the SEC and, and at Central Florida as well. So uh, a really good reputation as an organizer and a guy who can, you know, put a board together and run a recruiting department in a very organized way. Um, and I think what, what this also goes into is from everything I've heard, uh, Brian Carrington is expected to stick around at Texas now. Um, he is going. He has been evaluating some options, uh, but I do think he's going to stick at Texas. And for what sounds like he's going to be part of a group, basically running different departments within uh, that recruiting department. So, you know, for Texas, it was. I mentioned this last week. They took a step when Tom Herman was hired in expanding the role of recru- off-field recruiting assistants, which, you know, Charlie Strong really didn't utilize that well. Um, this will be the next variation, and it, it sounds like it's going to be a massive department. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, Drew Hughes has already gotten to work. I think he was getting to work even before, before he was hired at Texas. Um, he's a really big, big-time guy to have, uh, especially going in, into this 2022 class, which um, you know Texas is already losing some momentum as the days go on with Texas A&M. Uh, as we're recording this morning, uh, Donovan Green and uh, P.J. Williams both committed to A&M. And uh, there's just rumors of, you know, more flowing in. So this new staff is going to have to uh, get to work pretty quick and uh, start building some solid relationships uh, in a hurry um, and hope they can build some uh, momentum for this 2022 class. But there's still a lot of room to grow. You got Armani Winfield uh, and you have Jalen Gilbo uh, already in the class. As long as they can keep those guys locked up and, uh, you know, try to recruit some others, then uh, it definitely still has the potential to be a top seven to top 10 class in 2022. Um, but yeah, Drew Hughes, I think it's a great hire, a really good experience. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's really key, uh, especially being in Texas and having to recruit this state uh, the way the Texas Longhorns need to, um, especially with all the in-state powers uh, doing the same thing, uh, as well as Oklahoma, Ohio State, Alabama, and anyone else you can name. So uh, yeah, I'm excited about this uh, recruiting department and uh, hopefully they can get to work here pretty quick. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> for for Hughes, he was, uh, from what I know, expected to be in Austin late this week, uh, maybe even today, or, or I guess today as we're recording to yesterday as you're hearing this. Um, but really, the staff hasn't even been able to sit down together and kind of discuss a recruiting plan. They've been reaching out like crazy. I've, I've talked to a ton of kids who have said they've talked to Texas coaches and the, the contact is up and everything, but um, they really haven't had a chance to put together a coherent plan on anything. So um, I expect that to happen Monday based on what I'm hearing uh, for, for the staff to really be able to meet for the first time and get a good look at it. The, another big hire that Texas was able to make uh, since the time we last recorded uh, is Pete Kwiatkowski, who is the defensive coordinator or was the defensive coordinator at Washington. Um, a stellar record as a defensive coordinator with a great reputation for play calling and development. Not the greatest recruiter. I think he's going to be a solid recruiter, but for Steve Sarkeesian, it was absolutely paramount to nail that DC hire. And I'm not sure, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, Will Muschamp's name was thrown in there. Um, Pete Golding's name was thrown in there. I believe Kwiatkowski belongs at the top of that list with, with all those other guys. And I don't think he could have done much better with, uh, with what he had for him. Yeah, absolutely. The, the DC hire was kind of bringing me as uh, the days had gone by and they still were not able to make a hire. Um, I was kind of worried they were going to settle for, you know, probably a you know second option type guy, but they swung for the fences and they were able to, to land Coach K, which I'm really excited about. Um, this is a guy with playoff experience. This is a guy who's coached some really good defenses, some really good teams. 
Um, and he's also going to kind of bring a, a West Coast uh, recruiting approach uh, to Texas. You know, already we're going to see uh, quite a bit of West Coast recruiting with the Sark staff in general. Uh, but bringing in Coach K, he, he's going to be able to do some similar things, maybe even up in the Pacific Northwest, uh, which there's been a lot of talent out of the state of Washington in, in recent recruiting cycles. So, uh, yeah, this is really interesting. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what Coach K can do off the field as well as on the field. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, it'll be interesting. And so there's one one spot left on the staff. And, um, you know, we haven't gotten really any official word on Oscar Giles. But, you know, if you look at things, um, it looks like Bo Davis is the the defensive line coach. Um, I, I believe that that other spot would be allocated to a linebackers coach um, and allow you know, Kwiatkowski, who has traditionally talked, you know, dealt with the edge guys, um, kind of the linebackers and DNs, um, and, and developed them. <clears throat> so I, I'm not sure Oscar Giles sticks around in that situation. I think it is going to be somebody who can coach like your inside backers, but we'll see. Um, continue to to drop by Horns 24-7, and we'll keep you updated on, on those sorts of things. Um, I guess my, my overall thoughts on the staff as it kind of comes together is I just love the blend of it, it right? It's a, there's, there's a lot of different philosophies in how you would put together a coaching staff. Do you go for a bunch of young, hungry guys that are inexperienced? Do you go for a bunch of older guys who are experienced but maybe aren't as relatable on the recruiting trail? I always think the best answer is moderation and, and a little bit of a blend. And I think that that's what they've done. They've got some young, hungry recruiters and guys like Blake Gideon, um, you know, they've got some, some guys with more experience like Jeff Banks and Kyle Flood. They kept, uh, you know, a guy in Stan Drayton who's been really good to him, and a guy in Andre Coleman who, frankly, it sounds like Steve Sarkeesian was very interested in, in keeping, uh, had, had told people that he had tried to hire him at two other stops. So, um, you know, when you look at kind of what they have all together, it's a lot of big time experience, but I also think there's a lot of room for growth in, in some areas and, um, I just think it's it's a it's a staff that you would want to build if you had the resources you do at the University of Texas, and so I would be very surprised if they're um, you know not competitive on the recruiting trail coming out. I, they're going to have to be because it, I mentioned this the other day, but it's never going to be harder for Texas than it is right now in the state. I mean, Oklahoma is coming off there uh, just a tremendous run year after year. A&M finished in the top five this year and is already off to a hot start in 22, getting a couple guys today as we're recording this and, you know, expected to get in a bunch more guys. So they're, they're, they're generating a lot of buzz for their finish. And Texas is going to have to come out, be aggressive and get some wins early. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 22 class. Um, I, I kind of want to go back to the overall feel of the staff. I, our question of the week on Horns 24-7 this week was, you know, how do we feel about the overall, you know, sense of the staff now that it's coming into place and there's only probably one to two hires left to be made. And I, what I had said, there's a lot of conference championships on the staff and there's a lot of playoff experience. And those are two things that, you know, Texas fans have been longing for for the past 10 years. So there's guys on, on the staff who know how to do that on the field. Um, they know how to develop talent on the field. There's first round draft picks that these guys have coached, uh, you know, at their specific position groups. Um, so, so I'm really excited about what they can do on the field. But then looking off the field, really good recruiters, uh, such as Jeff Banks, Kyle Flood, Sarkeesian, of course. Um, so the, the overall feel of the staff is, is pretty, pretty great. I think Texas fans should be really excited. Um, and I'm excited to see what they can do in spring ball as well um, and getting offense implemented and then uh, looking forward to next year. Uh, you know, playing against some pretty good competition in the Big 12 and some really good non-conference opponents. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited to see what they can do. 
All right. Well, uh, it should be a should be a fun cycle for us. We're, we're going to get to see how the staff recruits. So we'll, uh, of course, we'll have you updated over at Horns twenty four seven, where you can p- figure it out. And there's a lot of uh, new get new guys over at Horns twenty four seven. We've had a lot of signups in the last uh, month and a half or so. So if you're just new and you're you're just getting into listening to the podcast, welcome. All right, Nick. Um, we got uh, we finished the high school football season. It felt like it lasted forever. The good thing about it is that the off season should be f- much shorter, should feel shorter at least um, since the, the regular season went on for a month longer. Uh, let's jump right into uh, state championships. What were your biggest takeaways uh, from, from the four games we were able to see? Man, just points on points and blowouts after blowout. We have four double digit games uh, that didn't even really seem close. I think the 6AD1 game was probably the best one that we saw and Westlake pulled away in the second half. And we can actually start with that game. Uh, Kate Klubnik looked phenomenal. Um, and uh, we even recently found out that he played through that game injured, which was, you couldn't have told me that. Um, but definitely a, a player that did play injured in that game was Quinn Ewers. Um, you can kind of see it as he was, uh, you know, trotting off the field, uh, you know, after each possession and throwing a lot off of his back foot, trying to save his body a little bit, you could tell. But even even in spite of that, he still threw for over 350 yards and, you know, had a had a good game by, you know, any standards, but by Quinn Ewers standards, maybe not. Um, but this is a team that will be right back in, in that game possibly next year. Uh, they return a lot of talent, including Ewers and uh, receiver RJ Maryland. Uh, so they're an exciting team to, to look forward to the next year. But yeah, Westlake, they dominated um, from about the early or mid, middle of the second quarter uh, throughout to the end of the game. Um, their defense is what's carried them all year, and they were able to do that again uh, on Saturday night. Uh, but Klubnik was obviously the story. He uh, he was getting it done with his arm and his legs. He had two long touchdown runs that were called back for holding penalties. The uh, the uh, refs were definitely busy throwing the laundry on the field on Saturday night, so it took away a lot of big plays. But he looked really good. And then uh, if we want to look at the um, at the 6A Division II game between Katie and Cedar Hill, that was domination from start to finish. Katie did a phenomenal job on the defensive side of the ball um, and limiting Caden Salter. Uh, and Salter just didn't have the weapons around him that he needed to win that game. Uh, it was going to be tough by any measure to beat Katie, um, but you need multiple weapons on offense to be able to beat a defense like that. And he, he, he just didn't have that at that time. Uh, Katie's defense looked really good, even without Malik Silla. Um, that's another team that I expect to be right back in that game next year. Uh, looking at the 5A Division One game, we had uh, Denton Ryan and Cedar Park, which I thought was going to be more of a game. I, uh, I was talking about it on the podcast last week. I did pick Denton Ryan, but I was like, you know, don't be surprised if Cedar Park makes this really interesting late. And that was not the case. Denton Ryan, they uh, had a lot to prove in that game, and they came out and they did just that, uh, dominated from start to finish. Uh, Billy Bowman was really good in that game. Jatavian Sanders had a touchdown catch as well. Uh, so Denton Ryan, of course, looked, looked dominant. And then in the 5A D2 game Friday morning, Alito and Crosby. Crosby uh, brought a pretty good crowd. We were we were excited to see that crowd uh, that was able to make it up from Harris County. Uh, it was probably one of the more impressive crowds we saw all weekend, uh, including the 6AD1 game. So uh, big shout out to the Crosby Cougar faithful. Uh, unfortunately, they were not able to take down Alito. JoJo Earl was on a mission. DeMarco Roberts had, I believe it was six touchdowns, correct? Uh, six touchdowns yep. uh, in, in that game. Uh, he's going to be going off to Lamar now. Uh, so a pretty good offensive showing for Alito and their defense was pretty good as well. Uh, Brian Allen, who decommitted from LSU today, he looks pretty good. And his little brother, who's a freshman, Jaden Allen, uh, I, he was my vote for defensive MVP in that game. He looked really well. Uh, so, I, yeah, I'm excited about the future on the Alito defense. 
Yeah, I think um, so. We picked games. We we picked the first three the same. The only place we differed was I picked Southlake and you picked Westlake. Um, I should have got. I should have stuck with Westlake. And I think I wanted to, but and had I known that Quinn Ewers was going to be injured or re-aggravate an injury, yeah, I I would have gone. I just kind of thought you know Quinn's that special that he could he could really go off, but. Man, that Westlake defense is nasty. And Quinn tested him. I mean, I, I'll say in the first half, he was as on the money as I've seen seen him, you know, play. He was all, every throw was right there. But as he went on, you could tell he wasn't really getting a lot of rotation in his lower body, wasn't really pushing off and driving the ball. And um, you know, and Wesley just continued to pound on him. But really impressed with Kate Klubnik, who you know, a couple of weeks ago, I saw him and he was good, not great. And I think you saw him against North Shore. And I think that was probably your review as well. Good, not great. Um, really turned it up a notch and showed off the wheels, man, almost running for 100 yards. And um, I, I think that he's a guy, man, that I, you know, I told you, Nick, I think this time last year that a college coach had told me that, hey, I, I know Quinn Ewers is the prize, but that club the kid is the real, real deal. So, um, you know, He's a guy that I've had my eye on for a long, long time, and, and I was really impressed with how he performed. Um, not to mention uh, the, the two-time uh, defensive MVP of, of the of the uh, 6A Finals, Michael Taffy, who, who's going to be a walk-on at Rice, um, had an incredible one-handed interception, um, had, had a really strong performance as well. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll mention that Katie game. Katie just did what they do. You know, I mean, they – they impose their will better than almost anybody in the state of Texas. And, and one thing that, that was puzzling to me was, you know, Cedar Hill's such a vertical offense. Usually I was surprised they weren't, you know, going much more vertically and they were running a lot of bunch formation stuff, which kind of played into what Katie wanted with a loaded box. So I don't understand the game plan. I'll, I'll have to talk to our friend coach man and have him explain it to me. But, um, I thought it was a was a really dominant showing from Katie, which I think everybody expected when they went D two was for them to kind of roll, pretty much unopposed. Um, and then and then Ryan finally got it done. I vowed on this podcast that if Ryan lost to Cedar Park, I would never pick them in anything again. And uh, they they got it done pretty emphatically. So um, I think my biggest takeaway from that game, and it's been my biggest takeaway all year, there was a moment over the summer where I saw. 2023 linebacker Anthony Hill at a camp and I just thought I don't know if that guy's a linebacker man I just don't know like he's you know he's too big too early all those things man Anthony I don't know I don't know if he's going to stay a linebacker that dude can play whatever he wants he is a, a one of the best football players in the state of Texas regardless of age he was incredible this season had a special special year and had a special title game as well also shouts out to Ty Marsh um, the guy from Ryan who has been basically their honey badger on defense. I would love to see, uh, you know, kind of where he ends up at the end of this year. All right, um, Nick, we'll go ahead and jump to the mailbag, but first we're going to stop here for a word from our sponsors. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. And now we go to our mailbag segment. As always, you can get your questions in on the Horns 24-7 message board whenever uh, we put the thread up on Thursdays. Uh, check us out there. Or if you give us a five-star review on iTunes, uh, you can, you'll can you get your question answered. It goes to the front of the line immediately. Uh, we even had some people send DMs this week, which I don't necessarily recommend doing it that way because I don't always check DMs. Um, but uh, a couple people got, got through to it. So... Um, all right, let's jump right into it. Uh, let's start with the the uh, I'm sorry, the iTunes reviews. We did get a five star review asking if there's any word if Texas has reached out to Quinn Ewers and is a flip back to Texas realistic, uh, and that is from Jeffrey K. Uh, we do know that that they have reached out. Um, as for a flip, I think if something's going to happen, it's not going to happen right now. Um, I mean, I would say be pretty patient with it. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know where Quinn's head is at. And Quinn and I honestly haven't spoken a lot since he decommitted. And, and um, he's kind of been a little more withdrawn with people. So I don't really know where his head is at at this moment. I think uh, it's going to take some time. I'm going to have to gather some some information and then we'll kind of uh, we'll, we'll kind of uh, go from there. Yeah, and an important thing to remember in recruiting in general, nothing is official until they put that pen to paper. Um, so, yeah, certainly Quinn Ewers is still on the table. And, um, you know, this staff hasn't had their opportunity to, you know, uh, take a shot at him. So I'm sure that they're going to do that. And he's the number one recruit in the country. And he grew up a Texas fan. You know, all those things still play in uh, into Texas's favor. Um, I'm not sitting here saying that he's going to flip, but the staff is definitely going to, you know, give it a shot. All right. Our uh, next question comes to us from East Texas Biggs. Um, about it's about scholarship numbers and, and what yearly scholarship distribution is going to look like that again, that's going to be something we, we kind of see down the line. Um, and really we have to talk to our sources there. Remember we have sources who, I mean, I think when people hear sources, they think, well, they just fired that staff. So you have no sources. We always have sources who make the transition, but we're gaining new sources as well. And so right now it's a transition period where we're still figuring out, you know, what the board looks like and, and what they're really looking for. So if I sound like I don't always have the answers, it's because I don't. Um, we're, we're really just kind of trying to get a grasp on that right now and see what this staff is looking for. Let's jump right to the next question from ZZ Cheese. Uh, top five offensive and defensive recruits, in your opinion, in Texas in 2022? Mm -hmm. um, let me think. On offense, uh, look, it starts with Quinn Ewers. Um, I would say – the offense, uh, give me two offensive linemen, uh, Cam Dubar, I'm sorry, DJ Campbell and either Calvin Banks or Cam Dubar. I could be talked into either. Um, give me, a, you know, a receiver like Evan Stewart, who I personally think is the number one guy in the state, and give me a, give me the running back, Jaden Blue. Uh, on defense, um, I think Amari Boer, and I'm getting closer and closer to thinking, I don't, 
I'm not ready to knock Quinn off that number one spot yet because I do think he is a, a generational quarterback. But if anybody can make the argument to me, it's Amari aboard at Duncanville. I think that dude is a top 10 pick waiting to happen. He is incredible. Um, so Amari aboard far and away. Um, I, Harold Perkins, easily top five. Um, trying to think who else. Uh, Malik Silla is probably on that list. And then in the secondary, Denver Harris. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Bryce Anderson. Uh, yeah, I like that list. Um, I'm not going to go in order. These are just, you know, top five guys that, you know, I feel deserve being in that grouping. On offense, Quinn Ewers, of course, Devon Campbell, um, Kelvin Banks, uh, Evan Stewart. And um, it's a toss-up between Brendan Thompson and Caleb Burton for me for that fifth spot. Uh, on defense, um, like you said, Amari Abor is probably the best defensive player in the state. I was – I saw him against uh, – it was in there. It was against the Soto. And uh, I was telling our friend Guy Frazier, I was like, I think this is the best defensive end I've ever seen at the high school level. Uh, he's just incredibly athletic and really strong. And uh, I also saw him win a few reps against JC Latham when they played IMG earlier this season. And after that, I was like, you know, this kid is a five star through and through. Uh, so Amari Abor definitely takes the cake for me. Harold Perkins is in that group. Denver Harris is in that group. Um, I'd have to put uh, Malik Silla in that group. Um, and then for my fifth spot, uh, I'd probably go Bryce Anderson as well. All right. Uh, our next question from uh, Rich Houston, Texas, 86. Uh, what high school recruiting positions players would most likely be negatively impacted by incoming transfer portal signees? Uh, hardly anybody. I mean, if, if you're bringing in senior guys or upperclassmen in the portal, that hardly ever um, affects the, the high school kids. Sorry, can you repeat the question? I am, uh, I was getting, oh, I have it back on the board now. Uh, what high school recruiting positions would uh, most likely be negatively impacted? Yeah, it, it just depends. We got to let that process play out. Um, so, uh, so we'll definitely see. I know numbers are definitely going to be a little bit different this year with all the extended eligibility. So um, that's just going to be a fluid process. All right. Uh, from Din12, is Texas pursuing any of the Tennessee players from the portal that you know of? Just curious. I know you guys want to portal information, and I'm scrambling to get it. I haven't got a ton yet. Um, from what I from what I know, Texas has reached out to Eric Gray, the running back from Tennessee. I haven't really confirmed anybody else. They did make a run at Wanya Morris as well. Um, so I, I would assume they're going to be active out there. I just don't don't have it yet quite. Um, all right, from WWPG. Uh, best guess for a 21 finish. Um, I think Texas ends with the two defensive linemen, David Abiara and Garfield Lawrence. I think that they can make a push and get Austin Uke, which would be big. And I think they're going to, I, as it comes, as it stands now, and the LJ Johnson thing is probably something we need to talk about here. Uh, momentum seems to be swinging back and forth in that one, but as it stands now, I'd still, I think lean towards A&M landing LJ Johnson. Yeah, best guess for 21. Uh, yeah, I like what you said. Garfield Lawrence and David VR um, are probably how they'll wrap up on defense, on offense. Uh, Austin UK would be a great late add here in the class. There's also some pretty good linemen, uh, offensive linemen still left on the board. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see one or two uh, offensive linemen takes, probably at tackle. Um, and then, yeah, LJ Johnson is, is definitely still a very fluid process. We were, we were able to confirm this week that uh, he won't make a decision until National Signing Day. 
Um, so that's definitely going to be a, a big one we'll be able to keep an eye on on February 3rd. So, uh, yeah, just stay tuned for that one, and we'll, we'll always update you all with the latest on Horns 24-7. All right. Um, our next question comes to us from uh, Bevo Max 69 What is the sales pitch you're hearing from the new staff that's being presented to recruits? It's the same as always with a new staff. It's so we've got the experience. This is what we've done in the past. And now you can come be part of a change in the future. And um, selling change is one of the most potent. Th- it's probably the second most potent recruiting pitch one can sell outside of where Alabama and we went every year. Y'all should know the recruiting pitch. It's been up and down our Twitter timelines for weeks. It's the all gas, no breaks. And I, I kind of like, a, I kind of approach, I think, um, you know, finally have a pretty good staff in place. And, you know, there's an opportunity to have a pretty good 2022 recruiting class. And at the same time, there's still a really talented roster in Austin right now. So yeah, all gas, no breaks. Let's see what can happen. All right. Our uh, next question comes to us from uh, Saved by Ewers. Uh, what a screen name. Uh, which position group do you think will get the quickest bump in interest and or commits in the 2022 class? Um, I mean, I'm going to say offensive line just because there's nowhere to go but up. Uh, as low as it was last year, I think Kyle Flood's going to turn some things around there, so I'll say offensive line. Yeah, I would have to agree. Offensive line is hopefully uh, gets a good bump here in the 2022 class uh, for Texas fans' sake. So, um, so yeah, I would have to go offensive line as well. Uh, maybe even receiver. I think, there's a, I think there's a case to be made at receiver as well. Um, I think Texas can – really have a good receiver class and they've already started with Armani Winfield. So um, I think the potential is really high there as well. All right. Our next uh, question comes to us from Horns fan seven, six, one, two, who are a few recruits that you think Texas is in a strong position with right now? Um, I would say uh, Jaden blue would be on my list. I still think they're in a good position with Devon Campbell. Um you think of anybody I could think of on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Travell Johnson is a guy that, uh, I mean, I think if he's reoffered by this staff, they're, they're in a really good spot with him too. They're to Martin linebacker. Um, so we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll get a better, better handle on that as we get into the spring. Yeah, those are, those are definitely some good ones. Um, newly offered running back last week, Zach Evans from Rockwall Heath. I think Texas is in the top one or two uh, for him right now. Um, looking at Brendan Thompson too, I think Texas is in the top three with him. Um, trying to think of some others, uh, Harold Perkins, I believe that Texas is probably in the top three or four uh, for him right now. So uh, there's still a, a lot of blue chip recruits here in the state of Texas in 2022 that Texas is in that top grouping for. All right. Um, from Hook'em Bloodstein, is it now harder to get Cade Klubnick with an Aggie offer in hand? I don't think it makes it any tougher. I actually talked to Cade on the phone yesterday. We'll have a story out later today um, in which he said, I think a lot of people think, you know, I'm going to AM because my family went there. He said, but in reality, they're not my dream school. They never have been, you know, they'll get the same chance everybody else gets, but they don't get a head start just because, you know, my family went there. So I think it's the same chances. And, and really at this point, Texas hasn't gone all in on it. So uh, they really need to do so. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think Kate's, um, I think Kate's recruitment is going to involve quite a quite a bit of other schools, you know, aside from AM. I think Auburn is going to be uh, one that's going to be tough to beat in the recruitment, but Texas as well. I think Texas, Auburn, Texas AM, Baylor, uh, they're all going to be right there. All right. Um, just got a notification that my battery is about to die and I cannot charge and connect to the, my audio at the same time on this computer. So we're going to speed through this speed round. I'm going to cut some questions. <laughs> um, 
let me see here. Let's go with this question from uh, Hookem230. Are you going to do another fantasy draft for 22? That is probably something we will work on in the offseason when we need some offseason content, for sure. Yeah, I'm with that. I'm with that. Um, All right, next question from uh, Tejas Fuerte. The percentage of -of out-of-state versus in-state players being recruited for the 21 to 22 class uh, I mean, they're recruiting pretty nationally overall. I mean, they're going to recruit hard in state and they're going to recruit hard out of state. I think that they'll take the best 25 they can get. And that's always kind of the, I think you have to do that. I can't, I don't think you can be married to staying in a state just for the sake of it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you'll see some position groups that's kind of swerve more towards the, uh, you know, in-state heavy, such as receiver. They were not able to assign a, an in-state receiver in 21. So I, I think 22 would almost every spot at receiver I would imagine would be filled with in-state guys, but it also just matters, you know, who these guys decide to recruit, um, you know, cause I think there's going to be quite a bit of California players that are going to be involved in this 2022 class. Uh, and there's going to be quite a bit of uh, West coast guys that make up this class. So we'll see down the line. All right. Um, I, I think that, Oh, last one. Do you see Texas having a shot with any four-star offensive recruits in 2021 besides LJ Johnson from scope seven to eight? Um, I think that uh, Austin Uke is a four-star guy. Uh, David Abiar is a four-star guy on the composite. Uh, so, you know, I think that those guys will, uh, will definitely, like we said, be in the mix um, for, for something outside of that. It's hard to see Texas making an offer or flipping a guy late with a, you know, a week or two to go and no visits on the table. Yeah, agreed. Those are the only guys that come to mind for me as well. All right. And that'll do it for our mailbag. Sorry, uh, my computer, I forgot to charge it before we started this. So blame me for uh, the show speeding up here a little bit at the end. And that's going to do it for us. We appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate you guys playing along with the mailbag. Uh, we want you to, uh, to enjoy the show and, and reach out and wish Nick, a, you know, hopefully a, a healthy recovery from, from the vid. Uh, for Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach. We will see you guys next week. Sunday.
You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.